Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Happy Father's Day again. And I, it was just so much fun listening to all those dad jokes. Like, you know, so when Pastor Ann gets back, make sure you tell him how much you guys love him. So, hey, I'm so glad I get to share with you guys today. Um, like Pastor Ann said, my name is Devin. I work here at the church, and I'm so thankful that I get this opportunity uh, to share with you guys. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to be in the book of 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. I'm going to be in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. You can turn, if your Bible glows, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so the NLT version um, on your app. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You don't have to cheat off your neighbor. It'll be on the screen whenever we get there. But it is uh, my very first Father's Day. And I feel like, yeah, right? It's amazing. And I just felt like, how could I have Father's Day and not show you a picture of my daughter and go? It's just, yeah, that's that cue all the alls, you know? Like, it's just, it's amazing. I'm so thankful that I get to be your dad. I'm so glad that she is happy and likes to sleep. It's amazing. So, all right. So, yeah, I'm so thankful, though, to be your dad, and I love it. And uh, it really is uh, such a life-changing thing. And I just want to tell you guys, happy Father's Day to you guys. Happy Father's Day to every dad, to every grandparent that's playing that role, to every single mom who's playing both roles. Happy Father's Day. Seriously, happy, happy Father's Day. I know it can be a holiday that sometimes comes with a lot of baggage for different people, but seriously, happy, happy Father's Day. So we're going to be in 2 Kings, and we're going to be in uh, chapter 5, and we're going to read eight verses together. And it says this, the king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman. Everyone say Naaman. Naaman. All right, we got to do better. Whenever we like have energy in church, like it's exciting. Church should be a thing that we like love, not a thing we have to get through for the next 46 minutes, right? So like we're going to have energy, ready? Everyone say Naaman. Naaman. There you go. There you go. So he liked Naaman. He was a commander of an army. And because the Lord had given Aram great victories through Naaman. But Naaman, although was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At the time, uh, these are his, his soldiers, right? They invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. So one day the girl said to, his, to her mistress, hey, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. And so the king naturally says, go, go and visit the prophet. Do it. I'll, I'll even give you a letter to take with you and talk to the, the king of Israel about it. Go ahead and do it. Next verse then says, carrying all these gifts, this is what Naaman took with him to pay for it, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing, right? The letter to the king of Israel says this, with this letter, I present you my servant Naaman. And I want you to heal him of his leprosy. Could you imagine getting a letter like that? <laughs> like someone hands you a letter like, hey, you need to do this, right? And the king of Israel reads the letter. He tears his clothes in dismay. And he, he screams out, how can this be possible? This man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God? Like, how could I do this? Can I give life? Can I take life away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. And so then Elisha, everyone say Elisha. Elisha. So Elisha is the prophet. He's the prophet. And he heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay. And he sends a messenger. And he's like, hey, why are you so upset? Just send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. 
Hey, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to, because note takers are history makers. We believe that if you take notes, you have a better opportunity to remember what God is speaking to you today. You can write this at the top of your page, Superman. Superman, that's what we're going to talk about for the next few moments. If you remember on Mother's Day, Pastor Aaron shared a message called Wonder Woman. So now we've got to do Superman. Like, we can't let the women, like, one-up us, right? So we've got to do Superman. So, hey, can we pray really quick? God, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today. God, I pray over these next few moments, I decrease and that you increase. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Let us leave changed. Let us leave different. In your name I pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed that um, everything in life, like pretty much everything, is not what it seems on the surface? Like for real, like this is a problem. Um, I don't know if you saw this the other day. Sunscreen got recalled. Okay? Sunscreen. Like how do you mess that up? Like, and we've been making it for like 400 years. And like, they're like, oh no, in the sunscreen is not actually sunscreen. There's chemicals that can like really hurt you. You need to like get rid of it. Awesome, that's cool. Um, so then uh, we went to look for baby formula because you know, there is none in the world. And so we're looking for it everywhere. And I took one of my friends with me. He's a pharmacist, right? So he's like super smart. We like get to the, the aisle of baby formula and they have one can of like ours. I'm like, all right, cool. So his name's Eric and Eric and I are looking here and he's reading all the ingredients on another baby formula next to it. He goes, these are exactly the same. Like, why can't you just get this one? And I'm like, because you don't understand. This has been terrible trying to find one that she actually likes. Like it has to be this one. He goes, they're exactly the same. And then he goes on to explain to me, again, he's way smarter, that they can put things in food and not actually put it on the ingredients list because things are not what they seem. And then like, I remember growing up as a kid, this was a problem too. Um, we went to Holly River like all the time to camp as a kid. And it was me at the time, my brother and our cousins. And we went, and there was this trail called the Red Spruce Trail. Now let me tell you something. Y'all don't know nothing about danger until you walk on the Red Spruce Trail as an eight-year-old, okay? And so, like, this trail is, like, less than a mile long. You can see the campground the entire time you're on the trail. But as an eight-year-old, this is absolutely dangerous because you have to, like, walk over these stones, and you're, like, stepping, but, like, you have to jump with all your might. But there's, like, mud everywhere. It's, like, quicksand, like, for real. Like, my cousin one time lost a boot, in the mud, and we never got it back. Like she walked back to camp with one boot less because you know why? Quicksand, that's a real problem in life. And so we're like jumping from stone to stone to stone, and then we get over here, and we have to go down this big rock, and like, it's crazy. Then my uncle's like, I'll go find the boot, and he's like, step, step. Like it's not dangerous to him, but I'm telling you, things are not what they seem. This place is crazy. This is full of danger. Things are not what they seem sometimes. And have you ever noticed things are not what they seem in our lives? Like, sometimes in our life, we can, like, tell everyone, hey, how you doing today? Doing great. It's not what it seems. Man, they posted a great picture. Like, they love their family. Their kids love to sleep. Like, it's just amazing. They eat healthy all the time. Like, life is amazing. Can I tell you, it's not what it seems. And we look at people, and we look at things, and we compare ourselves, but it's not what it seems. And this is what is happening in this text. It is not what it seems. Actually, I'm going to, Ty, can you help me out? Come here for a minute. So what's happening in this text is we have a guy named Naaman. Now, Naaman is a big, big deal. Okay. So Naaman, uh, what his job is, is he commands an army. Now, Naaman 
is famous. Like if it would have been today, he would have been verified on Twitter, posting pictures with the president, having his, his jersey hung everywhere. Like he would have been a big deal. Everyone would have known who Naaman was because he won a lot of battles. But Naaman suffered from leprosy. Now leprosy was a crazy disease um, that took place. It, it still happens today, but it's not as deadly. But back in the Old Testament especially, it was a big deal. And it was a disease that you could get. And basically, in the later stages of leprosy, you would lose your fingers, your toes, your nose. You'd have parts of your flesh hanging off of you. Right? This is like what leprosy was. It was a crazy disease. And how it worked was whenever you got leprosy, you got kicked out of community. You couldn't be with anybody. You went and you lived in your own little colony with other lepers. And when you, if you had to go to town, you had to scream, unclean, I'm unclean. Can you imagine that, like walking to the church? Hey, don't sit by me. I'm, I'm unclean. <laughs> don't sit by me, right? Naaman would have had to have worn like uh, all these sackcloths and show people in case they were hard of hearing that he was unclean. It was a terrible disease that would have eventually cost you everything. And Naaman is on, in the early stages of this. He's in the early stages of it, and he's still able to hide it. And although his life looked great from the outside, it wasn't what it seemed. Right, because like what happened was, I can imagine like Naaman, um, and one day he's like chilling out at the house and he's like taking his armor off. And he's like, is that a spot? And he like runs to his wife. He's like, is this leprosy? And she's like, don't worry, honey, we'll put essential oils on it. It will be great. And like she puts her oils on it. And then like, yes, y'all know, you're all guilty. Okay. And they like, okay, he runs back in. And then like a couple days later, it's, it's starting to spread. And he's like, I have this idea. I'll just cover it up. And he puts on his armor, and he's like, all right, I'll just wear my armor, because if I have it on, no one can see what's actually going on beneath the surface. And I'll live my life with a cover-up. I'll live my life like this. Now, maybe you like to judge Naaman and be like, I would never live my life like that. But sometimes, especially as guys, especially like on Father's Day, we walk in, like finances, stressing us out to the max. How are we going to fill up our car, pay for groceries, and make sure our kids can get all the stuff for their, their soccer tournament in the summer? So what we do is we just buy more stuff to show people that financially we're okay when actually we're not. And what happens is we put on armor. And now we're covering up more problems. Or, or maybe this, maybe it's not your finances, but it's whenever you find yourself on Father's Day realizing, I never had a dad. How can I be something that I never saw? And I come in here in the church, and everyone's like, Happy Father's Day. Here's your sticker. Congratulations. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm going to let my wife do all the hard work because, I mean, like, what if I mess my kids up? And so guess what happens? We put on more armor, and we find ourselves with more armor, and we find ourselves carrying more stuff, and we find ourselves walking in with more and more and more. Or maybe you walked in here today, and your marriage is falling apart, 
but you don't want to tell anybody. So right now you guys are sitting next to each other. And you're like, oh, it's amazing. Life is so good. But really what's happening is you're just wearing more armor and you're just wearing more stuff and you're just putting more things on. Or maybe you walked in here and you're dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety and worry and fear. And someone's like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, blessed and highly favored of the Lord, brother. It's just an amazing day to be in church. But what you're really doing is just putting on more armor and you find yourselves walking around looking like this. And then Pastor Mitch is like, let's lift our hands in worship. And you're like, bro, I can barely move my hands. Like, what are you talking about? But like, and although it's really funny, so many of us, especially guys, live our life looking like that. We live our life with armor, and I want you to write this down. We cannot be who God called us to be, covering up the things he asked us to deal with. We can't do it. We cannot be the, the warrior. We cannot be the Naaman. We cannot be the person who God called you and asked you and picked you to be looking like this because beneath the surface, God asked you to deal with something, and we're covering it up. That is impossible. Thanks, Ty. I'll call you back up later. Thanks. You can grab your seat with all those. And so, like, what ends up happening is we look like Naaman. We find ourselves struggling with something beneath the armor. And we find ourselves trying to win battles for our family and for our kids and for our wife that we cannot fight. Why? Because we're covering up what is actually going on. And guys, we are the worst at it. Because we don't want anyone to see what's actually happening. And today I want to look at the story of Naaman. And I'm going to be quick. And we're going to talk about this. How do we cancel the cover-up? How do we cancel that? How do we find ourselves being the Superman that God has asked you and created you to be? How do you be the dad that God's asked you to be? How do you be the mom God's asked you to be? How do you be the person that God has created you and asked you to be when you find yourself with full of cover-up? How do you cancel the cover-up? I'm glad you asked. Here is point number one. You can write it down. Transparency. Do you want to cancel the cover-up? Then you have to be transparent. See, Naaman, he was a great warrior. The whole country would have known if he found himself in a place where he had leprosy. So he's doing a good job of hiding it. He's doing a good job. And the Bible tells us that there was a maid who was in the house. The reason she was in the house was because Naaman captured her, more than likely killing her family and bringing her into the house to serve them, right? And one day, she says something really crazy. It's in verse 3. Can you put it up? It says, one day, the girl said to, his, to her mistress, I wish my master would go and see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Time out. How did she know? Like Naaman was hiding it from the world. I think she knew because she got close enough to see him without his armor. Maybe it was like at dinner one day and he's like reaching across the table and she sees on his arm. She's like, oh, my master has leprosy. Or maybe they were walking in the hall Right, and he's just trying to go downstairs to watch the game. And he's like carrying popcorn and drinks. And he goes to drop something. He's like, oh, you have leprosy. I don't know how she saw it, but I do know she did see it because she was close enough to see him 
without his armor. And can I tell you, we all need people like that. If you want to find yourself in a place where you can cancel the cover-up, we need people who see the real us and still love us. We need people who can see the real you, like, like the you that you hide from the world, the you that you don't post. We need people like that, the, the, the you that they can see the anger or the you that they can see like the freak out panic moment. Like they can see everything you're covering up and yet they still choose to love you. Like, we, we need people like that in our lives. We need people. Like, if we are going to be the Superman, the, the, the person that God has called us to be, the, the, the husband, the father, the dad, whatever it is, the man of God, the woman of God, we need people, and we need to be transparent. Now, I know you're sitting there, especially you guys, because you're like me. I don't need this. I'm good. Like, I'm good. I don't need this. Can I tell you something? Transparency is the catalyst to transformation. You want to be transformed by God? Then you got to get transparent with somebody. You, you, want to see God, you want to see God move in your life? You want to see God change something? You want, to, you want to see, like, you to break out of what you're covering up? you got to be open with somebody. you got to talk to somebody. you got to tell somebody, like, this is a struggle. And for some of us, you've never done that. You've never said, like, hey, I struggle with this addiction. That's, like, terrifying. Like, your heart is beating really fast right now. Like, please don't make eye contact with me. Or like, you need to talk to someone and say, hey, I'm really struggling to be the husband that I'm supposed to be. I'm struggling in this area. I need help. We have, if we want to see transformation, we have to be transparent. We have to. There, there's no other option, right? And I, I, in the book of James, it tells us, it says this, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slip-ups, your false steps, your offenses, and all your sins. And then after you talk about it, Pray about it, right? Because look, next verse says this. It ends with, the prayer of a righteous man has tremendous power made available to them. You know what that means? Hey, when you're transparent, they can pray with you, and there is power made available that is not available until you're open about it. It, says, it starts off by saying, hey, you want this power? Talk about it. You want this power? Confess it. You, you want to see change happen? You guys want to pray like never before? You want to see God move between the two of you? Talk about it. Don't be like, oh, it's a rough time. Can we just, um, can we just like pray? Well, yeah, what do you want to pray about? Unspoken. There's power when we talk about, I'm struggling in this. Now, let me just, let me just be honest for a second, because I know what you're thinking. Hey, Pastor Devin, that sounds cool and all, but I'm not going to come up front and be like, oh, my gosh, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm glad you said that, because you don't have to be transparent and open with everybody, but you got to have somebody. All right, like, you don't have to, like, open yourself up and, and take the cover off for everybody, but you've got to have somebody. You have to have somebody in your life. You have to have a friend. You have to have a spouse. You have to have someone you can be honest and real with, with no judgment, and just say, listen, this is what I'm struggling with. I have leprosy. Like, we need that. We need those moments. And there's another quote that's come up on the screen really quick, and you can write it down. But when we try to do life by ourselves, we will always miss out on the life we were created to do. When you try to do life yourself, like, you're going to miss out. We are not created to do life alone. We're not created for that. Like, in the very beginning of time, God creates everything, okay? He creates land. 
That's good. He creates Nemo and all of his friends in the ocean. That's good. And then he goes down here and he's like, all right, I'm going to create all the trees and all the birds and everything. Good, 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 good. He gets to Adam. Not good. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. It's not good to do life by yourself. It's not good. Right? And I think Naaman, his life would have been really different if he was just open with somebody and transparent with somebody and, and real with somebody. I think he would have lived his life in a really different way. And I think this is a hard thing, especially for us guys, when we talk about being transparent and being open, because we're like, like who can I be open with? <laughs> like, who can I talk to? Like, like, who can I actually go to and talk about it with? Because the last person I tried to, they like, you know, kind of messed up that whole relationship and now I just have a wall up. Or uh, I, I really don't feel like I need someone. So how do I pick someone, right? Like, how do you do this? Here's a great way to know, is that people who reflect Jesus, they're a great mirror for your, trans trans for your transparency. People who reflect Jesus, they're re a really good mirror to talk to. They're, they're really good people. Like, you need to pick someone to be transparent with, pick someone who reflects Jesus. Here's why. People are awesome. We need people. I'm a firm believer we cannot accomplish the things God has asked us to accomplish without people. But I want you to get this. People cannot satisfy you the way Jesus does. You have to, you have, that you can't have one without the other. Like, it doesn't work. If all you have is people, like, you're still missing something. That's why you have to find people who reflect Jesus. Because you have a person who is there with you, who Jesus is working through, and you have a person who is like, hey, why don't you go to Jesus? Can we pray right now? Like, what if we worship? Like, you have someone who is reflecting the answer. It's an open book test when you find the right person, right? In the text, Naaman is dealing with leprosy, right? He's hiding it from the world. And in verse 3, we read it earlier, but it's going to be on the screen again. It says this, that, that all of a sudden this maid, she goes over. She's like, I wish my master would go and see the prophet because he would change things. You know what she's doing? I know the answer. You got to go to Jesus. Hey, I, I, I know where you need to be. You got to go to Jesus. And so Naaman, it says this in the Bible. You can read it later. Uh, Naaman goes, and he goes to the king. He tells him what's going on. The king's like, yeah, go for it, right? He writes him a letter. He takes all of these gifts to give to the prophet because he thinks you can buy healing, right? And so all of a sudden, he takes off with everything, and he's doing his thing, and he gets over there. The king finds out and reads the letter. The king's like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't heal a man. What are you talking about? He rips his clothes, and he's like, oh, I need help, right? And then here comes Elisha, and Elisha's like, hey, send him to me, and I'll show him that there's a real God in Israel. And so here he goes. He goes back to Elisha, and he goes over to Elisha, and then Something crazy happens, like really, really crazy. They're going to put it on the screen. Um, it's in verse 9. It says this. So Naaman goes to his house or goes with his horses and the chariots, and they waited at the door of Elisha's house. So then Elisha doesn't come out. He sends a messenger out to Naaman, and he says, hey, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman, he becomes angry, and he, he walks away in his anger, and he starts saying things like, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. 
I actually expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and he would heal me. Like I thought that's what was going to happen. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, aren't the rivers of all of these different places better than what you told me to do? Like, aren't they cleaner than the Jordan? Like, what translation? He was saying, hey, go dunk yourself in the West Fork. Like, that, no one wants to do that, right? And like, that's what he's being told to do. And I think that if we want to find ourselves in a place where we can cancel the cover-up, it takes transparency, but it takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot, a lot of humility. Like, if we want to be the, the Superman, the person that God has called you to be, it takes some humility. Naaman goes to the, the door of Elisha, and Elisha doesn't even come out. Can you imagine? Like, Naaman is such a big deal. He could pretty much meet with whoever, whenever. Like, he just talked to the whole king of the entire country face to face. And yet, this prophet doesn't even come out and talk to him. He sends a messenger. Here comes the messenger. He's out. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you this instruction. Go to the Jordan. Dunk yourself a few times, and you'll be good. Pretty simple. In fact, this is how I know Naaman was like men of all men. He had step-by-step step step directions and still didn't do it. And so, like, some of y'all will get that joke later. But, like, um, so he, like, had exactly what he needed. He's like, I got a better way. I don't need the directions. I'll go to the cleaner river. That's what I'll do. I thought for sure he was going to come out. He was going to wave his hand around. It was, yeah, that was, yep, yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. And he walks away in anger. And when you think about that, like, you're like, oh, we would, I would never do that. Like, I would never do that. But what I have found in my life personally, maybe not for you, but for me, is this, is that whenever I think it's going to be a certain way, I find myself in this place like Naaman. Like I thought, I expected. I thought my marriage was gonna look like this by now. I would have like 3.2 kids in a house with a picket fence and a dog and like living life. I thought, I thought by now, like, I, I thought by now like I would be financially secure and then I could like be a giver. Like I thought, thought by now, like God would have like come through. I've been praying and I've been doing a lot. And what I have discovered is when what we thought it would be is different than what it is, we often miss what God has in front of us. That what, what we thought it was going to be, when it's different than what it actually is, we often miss what God wants it to be, what's in front of us, the very thing that's right there. Your marriage. Man, I thought by now we wouldn't be arguing about this stuff. I thought by now, like, life would look different. I thought by now, things would have changed. And yet we're still in this same, same frustration. And instead of loving and cherishing the moments that are right in front of you, you let your expectation do what Naaman did, and you walk away angry. Because it's not what you thought. Maybe for you, you always dreamed of like having that son who would go out and play baseball with you, you know, and be like, there's those amazing pictures on Instagram, you're like, yeah, me and, me and my boy, it's amazing. And now you have a son with special needs. 
and you love your son, you would never trade your son for absolutely anything in the entire world. But deep down, what you thought it was going to be is different than what it is, and now you're kind of holding on to some bitterness towards God. Because God, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like you had this dream that like you guys would grow up together, you would fall in love, you'd just be amazing. But now you guys aren't even living in the same house. Your marriage is at best complicated. And now you find yourself in church alone. And what it is, is keeping you from what God wants it to be. And like Naaman, we find ourselves walking away in anger, having so much frustration that we aren't actually worshiping. We're just sitting here while they play some songs thinking about all the things that it should have been. And we miss out on what God wants to do. Naaman had a miracle right in front of him. It was so simple. Go dunk yourself in the river seven times and your life will be changed. And Naaman was like, ah, what's in front of me is not what I thought it was going to be, so I can't do it. That's crazy. That's insane to me. What if God is asking you, you want your marriage to be healed? Say, I'm sorry. That's too simple. It can't be that easy. Like, that's not what I thought it was going to be. And we miss out on what God has for us, the miracle right in front of us, because we won't lay down our pride and have some humility. This is what Naaman is struggling with. And here's why I have found is that when it isn't what you thought, you're going to have the opportunity to get offended at what it is. When it's not what you thought and it's in front of you, like you're going to have the opportunity to get offended at what you're looking at. You're going to have the opportunity to be like Naaman and get so frustrated and so angry at the situation that you're living in that you can walk away angry away from what God has right there for you. You're going to have the opportunity. I'm going to have the opportunity. You're probably going to have the opportunity this week because you just heard this. But then it's up to us. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to be like Naaman and be like, nah, walking away? <coughs> nah, I don't, I don't want that. And the issue is, is when we get offended at what it is, we pick up pride. And I want you to know this. Pride is your kryptonite to your calling. God's calling you to be Superman. Your kryptonite, the thing that's going to take you out, the thing that killed Superman, that thing, kryptonite, it's pride. The calling that you have as a dad, the calling that you have as a father, the calling that you have as a person who follows after God with all of your heart, the calling that you have to bring peace into your family in a really crazy situation, the thing that will get in the way is pride. And here is Naaman dealing with and struggling with pride. Like, do you know who I am? I'm Naaman. I'm not going down to the Jordan River. I'll pick a cleaner one. I'm Naaman. You should at least come out and, like, lay your hands on me and pray for me. And I think Elisha was trying to show him, hey, sometimes it's not what it seems. Sometimes things aren't what they look like on the surface. Sometimes what you expected is actually lower than the level God wants you to live in. And now you're chasing after a lower level because you're unwilling to say, God, I'm going to lay down my pride and I'm going to follow you. Here is Naaman about ready to miss it all. Like he is about ready to miss every bit of this miracle. And then something happens. This happens in verse 13. His officers, so someone who was with him, they try to reason with Naaman. 
They're like, hey, sir, if Elisha would have asked you to do anything that was difficult, like if he would have asked you for all of the money that you brought, you would have done it. If he would have asked you to do anything, if he would have asked you to go out and kill someone, you would have done it. You would have done anything difficult. I mean, you're a commander of an army. You would have done anything. But now, what's, what's wrong with you? Because you would have done it if it was difficult. But so shouldn't you, like, certainly just obey? Like, shouldn't you just go and do it? Can you just go and wash yourself and then be cured? Like, it's that simple. And his officer was trying to talk some sense into him, and he was trying to say, hey, listen, I know that it's not what you thought, but what if you obeyed anyway? I know, like, life isn't going like you thought it was going to go, but what if you just obeyed God anyway? Like, I, I get it. I get that you're here and you're struggling. You never thought you'd be the person with leprosy. You never thought you'd be the person coming to church with 84 coats on trying to cover up what you're dealing with. I get it. But, like, what if you obeyed anyway? What if you humbled yourself anyway? What if you said, hey, here it is, some humility. In fact, I want to ask you this question. If you don't get anything else, I want you to write this down. It's not even going to be on the screen because sometimes the best things aren't on the screen. They're sometimes what God is speaking to you personally. What is one thing you can do to humble yourself today? Saying I'm sorry. Like, like what is that one thing? We all have it. What is that one thing to humble yourself and say, God, I'd rather do it your way. God, I, I would rather just go to the Jordan and do it your way. God, I, I would rather delete the number out of my phone and trust that you would bring someone into my life than do it my way. Like, what, what is that step for you? I, I can't answer it. Like, I, can't, I would love to be able to tell you, like, hey, Libby, here is your thing. But I can't. That's between you and God. You gotta ask God, like, God, what is the thing that I need to do? Like, what is my Jordan River? What is my moment to say, all right, I'm gonna humble myself and just, just obey? You see, Naaman, like, I get, I, I get the struggle. I get what you're going through. Because Naaman, he had a struggle too. Like, here he is knowing, if I obey, they're gonna see me in a way they didn't know. Because now I've got to take my armor off in front of everyone. Now, now they've got to see like everything. And some of us, we don't want to humble ourselves and obey because we're afraid of what our family will think. If we come up front and worship or we lift our hands and we're like, God, here I am, I'm sorry. Your family might be like, hey, bro, you cussed someone out on the way to church today and now you want to like lift your hands? You're laughing because it's happened to you. And, you know, you're worried about what they'll think, and you miss out on obedience. And here is Naaman trying to, like, fight this war. Like, if I go here, I get what I want, right? I get cured of leprosy, but everyone's going to see it. If I go here, like, no one will see it, but I'll probably die of the thing that the cure was right in front of me. Because, listen, sometimes humility, it leads to vulnerability, but pride always leads to destruction. Sometimes when we humble ourselves, there are some really vulnerable moments. Like sometimes you have to say I'm sorry for something you're not even sure you did anything wrong about. And you have to be vulnerable and open and honest. 
Sometimes it hurts a little bit to say, like, I got to take the armor off, and everyone's got to look at me. It hurts a little bit. But here's what I know. Holding on to pride, it will destroy you. It will absolutely destroy you. That's what Naaman was facing. If I hold on to my pride, leprosy will eat me from the inside out. The same thing pride does. Eats us from the inside out. And so Naaman makes this choice. And he makes a choice to do what Elisha says. And this is in verse 14. It says, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River. And he dips himself in the river seven times. Just like uh, the man of God had instructed him to do. And he comes, his skin, after the seventh time, became as healthy as the skin of a young child. And he was healed. So then Naaman and his entire party, they go back to find Elisha, right? And so they stand before Elisha, and Naaman says, Now that I know there is no God in all the world except of Israel, so please accept my gift from your servant. But Elisha says, As surely as the Lord lives and whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. Elisha refuses the gifts because I think what Elisha was trying to just kind of show for a moment was when we want to cancel the cover-up, it takes transparency, humility, and lastly, surrender. Transparency, humility, and surrender. Here is Naaman. He does exactly what he's asked to do. He goes, he dunks himself seven times. He gets healed, right? He's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. There's only one true God. He goes back to Elisha and he gets to Elisha and he goes to tell him thank you. Because side note, gratitude is always a byproduct of a humble heart. And whenever we're humble, we'll find ourselves being grateful for things that we never thought we'd be grateful for. Like, God, I'm so thankful I have a car that can run out of gas. Like, I'm so thankful that I can drive to work. I'm so, and like, when we we find ourselves being humble, gratitude comes out, right? And so he's being thankful, and he's being grateful, and he's like, all right, thank you so much. Hey, can you just like, I'm going to give you all of this. I want to thank you for everything that you've done and everything that I brought with me, it pales in comparison to what you have done for me. Like, it, it, it doesn't even matter. Like, it's not even the same. Like, you cured me. You let me live. You let me fight. You let me do everything God's called me to do. Like, take it all. Like, just have all of it. And Elisha's like, no, no, no. I, I can't take, I can't take any of it. Because it's not really about what you bring to God. It's about what you lay down. It's not really about the fact that, like, you can bring a lot of money or that you can bring all the clothes in the world like like Naaman. That's not really the point. The point is that when our surrender meets God's spirit, something really special is created. That when our surrender meets God's spirit, something really, really special happens. You know, and what I love about Naaman is Naaman is here, and he is surrendering. He's giving it all. You can have everything I brought. You can take it all. You can have everything that is with me. And Elisha's like, no, 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 I'm good. I just wanted your surrender. Like, I just wanted your transparency, your humility, and your surrender. That's, that's really all I needed. And here is happening in this text, and I think it's, it's so cool, is that Naaman goes, surrenders what he is, and now the cover-up is not just gone but what's beneath the cover-up is gone. Ty, can you come here for a second? So like, what happens is, when we find ourselves in a place of surrender, God's like, hey, you can take this off. And we lay, we lay one thing down, and we're like, okay, God, 
here we go. Like, you can have it. You can have all the anxiety. You can have all the frustration. You can have everything that I'm covering up, okay? And thank you so much, God. Like, thank you. And we still look like, look like this. And then we realized that God is doing something in us. That it's never about just the first thing. It's about what's beneath the thing. That God is like, I'm not here just to like deal with the armor. I'm here to deal with everything. I'm here to deal with, with the leprosy. And so all of a sudden, more stuff starts coming off. And now we find ourselves walking in the church like, man, like I actually do feel good about life. Like I actually do feel like there is a hope. I actually do feel like there is a future. And we find ourselves taking more and more off. And we're like, oh yeah, like if we just took more off and gave it more to God and surrendered more to God, like what could he do in my life? Like what could he do in my marriage? What could he do when I just say, all right, here we go. God, you can have all of it. You can have everything bit of it. Like, what would God do in your life if you surrendered it and took it off and said, God, here I am. Like, you can have every part of me. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to surrender myself. Even if people are looking, even if people are watching, here you are. I'm open. What would God do? Actually, I want to tell you something. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by, you can put it, yeah. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. What they're talking about in context is they're talking about really great people of the faith. Like people who are like incredible, right? And all of a sudden the Bible makes this transition statement to you and me. And the author of Hebrews tells us, hey, they're great. They're surrounding us. They're cheering us on. They're saying, hey, you can do this, right? But because of that, we have to, can you put that verse? Yeah, we have to strip off every weight. We gotta take it all off. We have to surrender. And once we surrender it, check out what happens, then we can run with endurance the life that God has for you. I want you to write this down. You cannot become the man, the woman, a superman. You can't become that thing that God has asked you to be without surrender. You have to deal with the thing that's underneath the armor. You can't, do, you can't be who God's asked you to be. You can't be the superman. You can't be the mom. You can't be the dad. You can't be the husband. You can't be the wife. You can't be the thing God's asked you to be until you deal with what's underneath, until you deal with the leprosy. Like Naaman could have been a great warrior, but if he didn't deal with it, guess what would have happened? It would have killed him, and he would have missed out on the life that God had for him. There was still more for Naaman. There is still more for you. I know that as a dad, maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've done things you're not proud of. You've lashed out at your kids. You've taken your, taken your uh, frustration out on your wife. I get it. But listen, God is not done with you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And if anyone else was supposed to be those kids' dad, they would have been. But God picked you. And God said, hey, all that I'm asking you to do is be transparent to have some humility and to surrender. And I think when we find ourselves looking like this, it's scary, especially as guys. Because like, like, they can see everything. They can see all of it. But I want you to get this, is that when we give God all that we are, he is faithful to cover us in all that he is. 
He is faithful to cover us in the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the restoration. When Naaman laid down everything that he had, God covered him in restoration and in healing, and his life was forever changed. Can I tell you, I really do believe this with all of my heart, is that you can be right on the edge of breakthrough, and all it takes is a little bit of transparency, some humility, and some surrender. And today, I want to give us an opportunity to do that. I want to give us an opportunity to say, God, here I am. So what I want to do is I want us all to stand to our feet, and I'm going to ask you to do something bold. It's not something we normally do. It's not something that we always do here, but here in a moment, they're going to lead us in a song. And when they do, I'm going to ask every single guy in the room to come up front and worship. Pastor Devin, I'm not a father. Can't, can't do it. No, I'm not asking fathers. I'm asking every single guy. Pastor Devin, I can't. Like, that's a little scary for me. I think this might be your Jordan. This might be your moment of humility. This might be your moment of saying, all right, like, I've never done this before. I've never even lifted my hands in worship. This is my second time here, and you're asking me to come up front? I'm not asking you. I mean, you don't have to, because, yeah, you're right. I know you're thinking it. You can definitely be humble and transparent and surrender in your seat, absolutely. But I think there's a level of obedience that, that happens that can only happen when you say, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do this thing. I'm just going to go up front. And I'm going to worship together as men. But my family might judge me because I have, I've had a rough. Okay, listen, I promise you, your family will not be judging you. Your family will be cheering you on and being like, come on, like, please do this. Like, lead us. Be, be the father. Be the dad. Be the person that God's asked you to be. Don't sit there and watch your miracle go by. Don't sit there and say, man, I've got to pick a new river. Don't sit there and be like, oh, I, I really expected God to do it like this. This could be the thing that is between you and your breakthrough. No, it can't. I'm walking up front. Yeah, you're taking a step of obedience when it's really scary. It grows your faith. I don't want to see like three people up here, right? Like every guy, if there's a guy standing to you, especially if you brought him with you, if you brought a guy with you and he doesn't come up front, like, what are you doing? Like tell him, be like, hey, you need to go up front. You need to worship. We're not asking you to take a mic and we're not asking you to sing. We're just asking you to worship with them. And this song they're about to lead, it, the bridge of it says this, that the Lord is in this place. And what I love about this song is this place is your place. Wherever you're at, the struggle you're in, he's in that place. The fear you're like trying to like, I don't know if I should do it, he's in that place. The, the faith that you had that this is gonna be my breakthrough, he's in that place. God is in that place. Don't miss this moment. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to help us this week to be transparent with someone, to humble ourselves and to have surrender. And then when I say amen, they're gonna lead us in worship and I want you to come up front, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your word today. Lord, thank you that you have met us in this place. And Lord, I just ask that throughout this week, God, you help us to have moments of transparency. God, you point us in the right direction of a person that we can be open. 
God, you bring the right people into our life and the wrong people out of our life. And God, I pray that you give us the courage to talk about what is really going on. And Lord, I pray that you also help us have humility in every situation, that we don't look at what you're asking us to do and think it's below us. But God, we will humble ourselves and we will do whatever you ask. And Lord, I thank you for a heart that has surrendered to you. God, I thank you that throughout this week, you give us opportunities to lay down our life, surrender what we're carrying, what we're carrying and say it's yours. Lord, I pray for every single guy in this room. God, I pray as they come forward and as they worship you, that you do what only you can do. God, you restore relationships. God, that you, you calm fear. God, I pray that you do something in them that doesn't just stay right here. It goes home with them that we see relationships restored, that we see bodies healed, that we see families come back to know you. God, we see people in church with us that we've been praying to see in church with us because of a moment of just saying, I'm gonna humble myself and I'm gonna chase after what God asked me to do. God, thank you that you're in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.